Hey, greetings and happy Tuesday. It is March 2nd and we're doing our macro to micro power hour. I'm Samantha LaDuke, founder of LaDukeTrading.com. And I'm going to be joined by Jonathan Gibbons of VigTech.io. We do this basically every Tuesday because the market is fascinating from a structural standpoint. And we both approach this uh, market analysis very different ways from macro to the quant uh, market flow, if you will, and lots of other technical and intermarket stuff thrown in and sentiment for sure. And uh, we're very fortunate to be working together also on my risk indicators on their fabulous big tech platform. So I'm spending time with Jonathan, getting a real good sense of his thoughts on the market. And then we share them to you on Tuesday. And I'm very, very pleased that you would join us. Thank you. Jonathan, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Hold on. Let me get my um, <laughs> no worries. My, my uh, video here. There we go. Just do a quick for those who may not know Jonathan. So Jonathan uh, founded VigTech.io, and it's a fabulous marketplace for tons of traders and investors uh, to basically gather a lot of data and option analytics, as well as uh, create algos, which I have done, and they're launching on the App Store. March 15th, very excited about those risk indicators on uh, chase, swing, and trend timeframes. So Jonathan's been just instrumental with his team putting that together. So, oops, I did I, yeah, I didn't quite share all the way. All the way over is here, VigTech.io. Um, and little housekeeping, when we're done with this uh, video, um, this webinar today, it'll be put on my YouTube channel. So Leduc Trading Channel is the YouTube uh, place to go. And we have, as you can see, kind of macro to micro power hour. I've done a few of these uh, every Tuesday with Jonathan. They're special. We we attack a particular theme. Uh, volatility was a really popular one. Then we had that huge VIX surge, well-timed. Um, yield pop, that was last week, well-timed. <laughs> so we're uh, doing pretty well. And then um, on the every other Thursday, I do something special. So I did a SPAC attack Two, which was follow-up for those special purpose acquisition companies, that is uh, very hot right now. I think it's moving into these non-fungible token uh, spaces, the NFTs, which I've I have much to learn about that. But in any case, we have. Don't we all? Um, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> like you said, there's a new browser and it's crypto-based, and you're like, what? We're busy doing yeah. our own knitting, and yeah. there's so much in disruption space. And we've talked about that with fintech. It's impressive. Um, but anyway, this is where we post the videos. Um, also on the VigTech IO, uh, I think it's under juice. I'm not sure where you put them, but he's got a place. I've got a place. And then I do um, occasional videos on trading insights. And oh, let's see what else is going on. We uh, Tomorrow I'm doing a live uh, trading session from three to four. And also, I think that was in here. Yeah. Also, the um, uh, Thursday edition of Women in Trading and Finance is going to be with Juliet DeClerc. And she's a macro maven. I can't wait to have her on the show as well. So that's that for an introduction and where you'll find these posted. And Jonathan, let's do a little market review. We had a chat earlier. Um, and we were kind of on the same page, but very different approach. I just noticed that it looked thin, It'll, just choppy it, it is an understatement, but I mean, um, very little momentum and follow through that like a stick higher and then a complete rejection. Um, mm -hmm. And I could just basically surmise this week's going to be a really choppy week after last week, which was really a beautiful trade low into the Powell speech on Tuesday. We talked Tuesday afternoon and we were like two and a half standard deviation pop lasted two days and then boom, went right up to 39.30 in SPX and dumped again. Mm -hmm. um, and then that standard deviation to the downside reverted and we had a massive rally on Monday. Every every ETF was, was higher in my um, risk range alert. Mm -hmm. And now we're just into chop zone. And you had mentioned something about liquidity under the surface. So catch catch everyone up. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we were talking earlier um, when we were looking at the alerts and then we were looking at your 
indicators and we're looking at volume and um there were some major moves like uh, in the last two weeks so like say the last 10 days both both ways both directions and i put something out there on twitter earlier today i'm um, just looking at advanced decline because what i did last week i thought it was uh um, kind of pertinent to do and then also like um, relevant right now uh, was to really you know there's a lot of discussion around arc um, but I don't want to talk about it in the sense of like uh, you know it being some sort of um, GME type conversation but it's actually like the concentration conversation so like I noticed something last week um, as it relates to the sectors that are tracked you know and that they're trading in and how much those sectors are really running as compared to, you know, everything else. And as that has gotten to the size of, you know, just the side of Vanguard, right? She's that big. Um, th this is market moving, right? And so we're beginning to see like uh, yesterday, right? Uh, it was Monday and Friday. So Friday, you had a total blowout in those trades. So I posted something and was just looking at our sectors kind of uh, as it breaking out instead of it just being, and I'll show everybody in a second what I'm talking about, but just, looking at sectors in general, right? Like consumer cyclical or this, digging a little bit, that wouldn't give you the picture. When you dig a little bit further, it's like blockchain, um, uh, the genomics, you know, the robotics, all of those things that they're trading, that's where a lot of concentration of liquidity is going. And it got sucked out on Friday. It was just all one trade. And then on Monday, it's right back. So it's almost reflexive. And then you're sitting there back today and they all got sucked out again. And it's like, this whole thing is feeling really wobbly right, is how I would describe it at the top. Now, we're sitting at this pretty significant inflection because there's parabolas that are set up in Russell, ES, NQ, and especially like YM. So Dow, Russell, you know, tech, and, um, and ES and SPX, right? So those have all kind of, we're at that point of inflection where we're either, Q's already broke it. When they broke it, they dropped pretty significantly, what, seven, eight percent in that short period of time. And just from a share market structure perspective, then they bounce back. And now the YM is sitting right there. And it's, you know, it's in that, uh, what did I say to you on the uh, phone earlier? It was a 31, 31, I'll look over it, 3164 or mm -hmm. 31, 31,640 is this kind of ceiling level that's been there since the 15th of February, where we hit that and we've been oscillating and pops out of that level up to 32,000, gets shot right out not accepted at all, comes right back down to the 31,600 level. And it's been trading underneath that sense. That parabola is kind of sitting right there too that breaks. And then, you know, I'm talking just surely kind of technical slash market structure level. These things are pretty extended and have been extended for some time. You got this one-sided trade that is the ARC trade, which is a trap trade. If there's ever been a trap trade in the history of trap trades, that is a trap trade because they expose everything that they're doing. They have limited, they, you know, they rotate the way she talks about it very, very, very transparently, almost like on a daily basis, they post their trades and then she's talking about it every week. So there's people looking at that front running it. Um, and so you've got this wobbly trade sitting right there. And then you have these kind of indexes at major inflection points. And so we're seeing this huge oscillation in the last like five to seven days. And then you've got the yield situation that you were covering last week. And so we have not seen that 31,600 level break in the YM. And that's kind of been the one I've really been watching because it's like, you know, industrial type stuff. You know, I know it's a thinly traded, uh, it's only got, you know, 30, 30 or so uh, index, uh, you know, in the, in the Dow Jones to begin with. But, you know, it's, it's a situation where these things are, they, they can either go either way. And we talked about it earlier. It can really, when, when things are jostling like this, it can break up and out pretty significantly yep. right and and really rip because this is an inflection point or it can fall apart pretty significantly right here and i know that volatility is kind of hanging around it has not like given you any tip of hand here but yep. i don't think and this is my two cents is that this may last you know because we're going to talk about the dollar here in a second mm -hmm. you know dx march futures contract rolls the 16th and so you've got a lot of people that are going to roll right to the forward contract there in, in, in the summer. And so I'm not really going to be holding that position. Like I got to roll that. So I might just kind of hang out in that. Right. And so we've got some another expiration coming up for futures. And then we've got another expiration for VIX. And we got another expiration for options. I think that this could oscillate in this area, really be frustrating and not break and get a little bit more decaying on the inside, or it may just fall apart, or it could rip. I don't know if it's gonna 
you know, the rip piece was really predicated on, uh, you know, maybe getting that kind of options Momo trade going again. I have not seen that have great uh, legs this past week, week and a half. And, you know, they are going to, you know, all those stocks have tracked, I think, and we've actually created this for anybody that's like onboarding. And if you're like, in the app and you don't have it, we can create, we can just poke these lists right down to you, just pop them right down to you for like all the Momo stocks that we're tracking, like the Wall Street Vets type list. And these options traded stocks have been really soft. And it's like Fubo, for example, has been really strong for a long time. Bounce, you know, they take it and then it comes back and they take it again. Well, it hasn't bounced. It has not taken off that same way. You got the GameStop saga, Right. That's a centralized thing at this point. That's almost like some sort of uh, soap opera. But this other stuff that's the bulk of this list, man, it really just has not. I mean, yesterday it was kind of sort of moving a little bit, but none of these got back. They really feel like, you know, kind of the they got it. They either got to go for a run here with the stimulus checks if they finally approve this. Right. We have those sitting out there. Or if that doesn't fade out like you if this level isn't busted up. In the, in the Dow Jones, and then, and then the ES doesn't break out again. I think that this thing is, this thing's sitting at a point of pretty inflation. Everybody should be paying attention because we all want to say, you know, we knew it was coming or we knew it was going to happen or we could see it in the tea leaves. You don't always necessarily get that. Um, and it, 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 in hindsight, it's like, oh, I missed it. Well, the setup is there. It could fall apart here. It doesn't mean it will. It can, and if it busts out, it will continue pretty, pretty significantly and squeeze because of the levels. Just sheer, surely levels. This level would have been accepted, and you're looking at 4,200 and SPX, right? So, you know, I think that it's very crucial, but maybe kind of maybe oscillative until until the um, options expirations clear and those futures contracts roll. That's what I got my eye on right now. It kind of poke my it kind of caught my attention is like this YM one the other day. And I really wasn't thinking this way until I saw the YM contract. And it you know broke out and it just got shot. And it came right back the same day. And it was immediately brought back down and it was and it looks pretty constructive to be you know unaccepted and usually there's a level and so will that level be taken back 31600 and then 32000 i think those are just really two simple levels for me that i'm watching and was interesting i you know i had your alerts on um today and you know i'm i'm kind of cheating here i got them on my watch already um, i love around. that you showed me a picture i'm like that's so cool <laughs> yeah it's so these things are great like especially you know and we're rolling them out a little bit at a time because everybody gets to use them and test them you guys are helping us test which you really appreciate yeah. and you know it's getting sorted through and we're getting the the dynamics correct but like you know on the back end we've already got like you hit my watch and i can see the dia the volume trigger happened mm-hmm. this afternoon and then the spy trigger happened again and I was like, man, these things keep leaking that volume out on the underside. And so, you know, there's yeah, a yesterday bunch of- was so smooth. There was so much breadth underneath of strength. Yeah, and, and then it was nothing so- today. Those yeah. alerts were so smooth. Today, they are a choppy mess. And it exactly yeah. feels like in the morning, I said, I don't yeah. like this tape. I don't like this tape in my trading room. I, we could have an air pocket of risk to the upside or the downside. We're just going to, in fact, it looks like we're going to chop around, you know, this reversion trade like you've been talking about and i can see as well in all kinds of price points across all kinds of assets yeah um, it's yeah, not just I'm, one class it's it's uh, we could do this for another week or two but we do have some macro event of uh, risk with powell coming up on thursday speaking you know you never know um and then uh china right. has meetings back to back thursday friday um mm-hmm. jobless claims isn't expected to be a surprise but we do have you know We've got some rate decisions. I mean, that's coming back into the fore, but mostly the um, the ISM reports. I don't know if you go in into that kind of detail on a macro front, but I track that stuff for again market moving news, but also sector rotation stuff, right? Because that's my thing. I really want to know when yeah. money's coming into a sector. And we've been long this reflation trade for seven months. And I said last week, I think oil is going to pull back. And here's my thesis, but it's not going to be just you know one and done. It's it's a process. And so anyway, I have this thesis and it's just this week where I'm going to start to kind of, you know, test it, right? It hasn't confirmed, but um, yields are not softening that much, right? The bond right. market had its route right. and they're like, okay, now what? Druckenmiller's still short. Um, <laughs> you know, the charts still don't look very constructive for bonds or gold. 
um, or precious metals. They're really just treading water. Um, and, but we also have no movement in the indices at all. It's very choppy. So you know, I, I don't know, I, I got off topic, but the point is I'm definitely seeing the potential for yields to fade with lower oil, but they're not. So that reflation trade is still, you know, relatively bid energy and cruise lines and casinos, all the reopening plays, you know, airlines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that being said, VIX is not percolating. It's, we already know it's dead, but I mean, it was very funny. I saw a tweet um, and I, VIX has doubled in a year from last year's low and still has yet to fill the gap from last February while market is almost 600 points higher. And it just, it kind of, reminded me of this this transit this regime change in the VIX. They're too scared to buy and they're too scared to sell the VIX, mm-hmm. right? It's still way elevated. And you can see it in all the IV, you know, pricing. It's stupid high, uh, expensive. Um, but then I, I, I the VIX index, which used to be the fear index, I think it's turned into the greed index. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like the shorts on it, like they can't, like if you look at all the proxy short vehicles, the ETNs, they can't break out um, the the SVXY and things like that. Um, I mean, I want to say like 15, 20 different hits on the same price level from a market structure standpoint and cannot get up and above that. Um, even with this price continuing to, you know, with the equities continuing to rise. Um, it just, I think, I think one of the things that I, I think, I've been thinking about it and I say think seven times there. One of the things I've been thinking about is that is things like the, the coronavirus, uh, such a, a, a oddity to the historical context or the historical measurements that it's somewhat hard to project, like, you know, say the cruise lines or the airlines and so forth. Like, you know, just anecdotally aside, you know, I, I see people beginning to get really, you know, they're getting vaccinated, they're getting out. And some of these things that are directly tied to like airlines, they want to fly, they want to go on a vacation, they want to buy cruise tickets, anything to get me out of this house. And so like some of these things may be kind of isolated to the way that they function, right, versus maybe historical context. But then that doesn't necessarily take anything away from the art trades, right? And then there's some other crazy crazy uh, um, kind of meltdown stuff that I was looking at. I'll have to send it to you later because I don't feel comfortable enough to talk about it enough because I haven't reviewed it. But supply chain financing debacles, like uh, billions, tens and hundreds of billions of dollars of, of supply chain financing debacles that are going on. I think they and pulled big, that. I saw that yesterday. Like City is pulling their supply chain financing or something. And I went, what the? Yeah, and then- Yeah, I- yeah. And, and so like, there's some serious things that are going on over here, right? Like that are directly correlated to, to, you know, you've got lumber inflation, you've got this massive oh. inflation going on in, in, in the dry goods. Oh, I got to show you this. Cause this came and, from ISM as you're talking. Uh, th- these are now again, ISM uh, as it relates to kind of economic reports, they've been off the charts bullish, you know, from, you know, decades. But the point is we have this you're just talking about supply financing, but this, yeah, yeah. these comments are from select industries. You just mentioned lumber and it reminded me, I mean, you can, electrical equipment, things are now out of control. Everything is a mess and we are seeing wide scale shortages, chemical products, supply chains are depleted, inventories up and down the supply chain are empty, lead times increases, increasing, prices increasing and demand is increasing, steel prices for transportation and equipment. Steel prices have increased significantly in recent months, driving costs up from our suppliers and on proposals for new work. And to I mean, food, beverage, tobacco, we already know about that. Logistics times are at record times. This is for um, fabricated metal. Continuing to fight through shipping and increased lead times on both raw materials and finished goods due to the pandemic. The wood products getting to the industry that you and I have tracked for like the past year, and it's in serious supply um, Inelasticity is what I call it. But prices are rising so rapidly. This is the wood products industry spokes, you know, what a representation, okay? Prices are rising so rapidly that many are wondering if the situation is sustainable. Shortages have the industry concerned for supply going forward at least deep into the second quarter. So all of this smacks of, you know, inflation. Yeah. Inflation. Right. Perceived yeah. real wage raw materials and 
not the CPI or any of those other figures. I'm, I'm talking about consumer prices are going to go up. They already have. How is the yeah. consumer going to handle that? Has any of that been modeled? Because right now, no. all, all the houses are still, Nomura and JP Morgan, they're still saying it's a bull market. It's a bull market. Where? I mean, I, I mean, obviously in indices, they're grinding. But when does this actually get factored into consumer spending, not to mention yields are higher, so now... It's a bull market. Yeah. stretched. It's a bull market and liquidity into the indexes, right? That's the way that, that it has been. And so now we've got inflation, right? But byproduct of the you know kind of the the scientific engineering thing that they've been doing with with you know fiscal stimulus, direct direct stimulus, and then the projects that are funded. You know, um, so many projects being funded, and then they got the if they're going to do the kind of a green deal or whatever, you got a whole nother slew. Of direct fiscal right so that is that is inflationary then you have the direct money into the indexes which i would call that's the bull market in the index it's not necessarily like you know a bull market of health it's a bull market of liquidity or perceptions of liquidity and so now we're sitting there in this this, this it's like look at arc like i know i don't want to kick you know keep coming back to the same thing but literally it feels like the top end of this index the last two weeks has ebbed and flowed with how Kathy Wood performs on a day over day basis. And I can show you just, just day over day, I, this thing has mirrored what happens with those trades. And so then you look at the Momo index that we track, which is 100% kind of correlated to the sub stocks that are in what she's trading and everybody's trading what she's trading. And so it's a liquidity bull, right? But you know, then if, if money's gonna rotate or whatever, none of that has anything to do with the debt and the yield situation that you're talking about and, and all this other side. So it's like, it's very noisy, but it could be, it could be pretty simple. If there's a real concern with liquidity, right? That, that it becomes real all of a sudden, we've got real problems that really are not being kind of counted on and, or, or being uh, uh, accounted for, I should say, like the inflation, like this, this type of inflation is staggering as it relates to housing, as it relates to consumer goods, as it really, this will have impact on everything, right? Especially as people come back out, right? Then liquidity, is liquidity gonna be impacted as people come back out? I, I don't, I, you know, is money gonna continue to be coming into the markets at the rate that it has? Or are people gonna put that money in other things, right? Like this, this, this is, is a, it's a real conversation to be- I loved with, right? in, in um, just follow up to your comments there about, um, arc, but I'll get to that in a minute, but definitely the ISM prices paid versus inflation, just in reference to that CPI versus obviously what's getting paid. Um, every single one of the 18 industries reported are paying increased prices for raw materials across the board. And then um, arc, it just kind of in follow up to that, this is Druckenmiller. He did a, a 2021 kind of theme, what he's actually, you know, he talked his book. Inflation sell bonds, inflation, buy commodities, technology, blue chips over high flyers, long XL quiche, and that this is his, his pair trade, short yeah. arc. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so this is, um, you know, that in the same structure we're talking about where we're seeing this, the commodities are in, you know, th things over paper, um, still hot hot, 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 and troublesome. Now, if you have consumers now being, uh, you know, pinched already, and it's only going to get worse, what happens if the dollar rises too? A hundred percent, right? A hundred percent. What happens and, if and the dollar rises too? On top of, that's already de facto tightening already. What if the dollar well, goes up? You know, you look at the mining sector, right? And, and I, you know, what's so interesting is the, the performance in the, in, the, in the precious metal sector, right? Like where there's been just literally nothing. And, and I'm just watching it in the system. You know, I'm getting alerts all the time because <laughs> we're working on app and I just get all these alerts. It's just this debacle that's going on in precious metals. And so I poke my head over there from time to time and it's just falling apart. And this is before the dollar even rallies. And you're sitting there and you're going, you know, what am I looking at underneath the other indexes? And so I just kind of panned around the other indexes and they're kind of, the undersides are just soft. You know, it's one thing 
to 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 hear uh, kind of over the top commentary or narrative um, from uh, you know the 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 big houses, the wirehouses, right? It's another thing when you're just looking at the actual underside of the transactional volume and so forth, and you're seeing you know more dispersion in sales than you are acquisition at the moment. And so you see these problems that are real problems, and you know does it manifest? Everybody thinking it's just higher, 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 you know, but the economy and the market aren't the same thing. And so, you know, I, I wonder, my whole thing, and if I go back two weeks, was I said between February options expiration and March options expiration could be kind of a, a telling time where we've got that stimulus out there, that $1,400, the, the fiscal that's still, I think, I don't, have they cleared it? Have they not cleared it? I haven't been really paying attention. I thought they voted yes this weekend, but then right, I had to go to somebody again. else. Yeah. And so th they'll get something done. And then what, what is that? What happens to that? And so is that coming back in for one more run at these kind of Momo names? And that gives you maybe one more push in the market, but all this underlying stuff hasn't changed at all. And if that doesn't come back in or does, and I said to this privately to somebody, or does that come into the market in the teeth of kind of volatility starting to, to, to shift around a little bit in the latter half of the, the, this month of March, where we're starting to get towards option expiration, VIX expiration, and then maybe we see a shift going in towards the back half of the month and into April. I, I've been looking at this window the whole time as pretty kind of inflectionary in, in the sense that people are going to go back out. Are they going to continue to provide stimulus checks that we know? I mean, these stimulus checks based on just Robin Hood's volume of new account setups and so forth, a lot of people with nothing to do. This came into the market. And if these people go back to work in any kind of any kind of structure, that's gone. That may not come into the market in that way. And are they going to continue to do these $2,000, $1,500 stimulus payments slash UBI into the future, right? As everybody's going back to work, this gets, I, I, I usually don't go across pawn moves with my, with my mentals here, like where I go to like real world stuff versus just the market structure, but the market structure is not strong and it's starting to deteriorate. And to see these kind of levels like hold, like the YM level, which makes me wonder, right? Is is it kind of like you, what's your phrase sold to you? Like you invented that. And I can see it in volume. I can see it you know, under the surface in lots of different breadth indicators. And I can see patterns that are forming and then it lets go. So but right the volume now, could be so warped because of the inbound, right? That it's distorting what historically we've seen. And I think that inbound, I mean, yeah. So like, let's say like a uh, Friday, right? Like mm -hmm. we're, we're sold off the art because she's, she's the size of Vanguard. Yes. Like it that's was a huge volume. volume. And yeah. then that's out. And then it's nope. I got to double down because I have no ability to, to, to really alter my strategy. So if you're just sitting there at a poker table, what does she have to do? She's got to keep playing those cards. And so she plays the hand the same way buys, right? The whole thing lifts. That volume of dollars hasn't been seen before out or then back in. That can throw off all kinds of stuff, right? And that's not just, it bleeds. It bleeds over into these other areas, especially with like the way that that, the way that, that system is set up. And so I think that, you know, maybe it's just distorted to an extent. And I want to discount everything in my side, like that it is a little distorted right here, that it may not be as true. And it may only be after hindsight where we get to see if it, if it breaks out, then obviously there was, you know, a, a definitive buyer here, right? Like across the board, not a singular buyer, but it, you know, it was buy side that wanted to take hold. If it's not right. And it breaks down, then we would look back and be like, man, we didn't see the normal stuff we usually saw, or did we see it? And it was so distorted because of these huge volumes of concentrated dollars, right? And we saw that kind of what can happen with GME. She is pretty, pretty impactful. When I look at a sector, I did a hundred, I think I put a, I built it the other day. It was like 140 in, intricate, right? Like different, different categories from countries to, you, know, you name it, currencies, blockchain, what have you. But it's very, it's much deeper than a sector base. And when I looked at the top, she's the top end or the bottom end, like every other day for two weeks. That's huge. I mean, you know, to be the top of the, you're not, that's not 
a mutual for that's not you know a, a, a range trading at all that's like an options contract right like show, where I you're the top show. end and the bottom end of the range on a on a couple week basis that's staggering i want to show two charts and i don't even know if they're related but i gotta because in my mind they might mean something but first um, right. this foreign investments when you're talking about um flow right into equities in the past 12 months they are timing extremely well with 2000, 2008, and again. So there is, you know, some some drive here to keep markets aloft. I don't know if it's necessarily the uh, U.S. And then this, in other words, U.S. Um, dollars. And this spot gamma chart came up, and I did like it. It's basically uh, equity in index puts don't agree with the ETF put selling. Someone is on the wrong side. So just take a look at that for a little bit. Contracts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that totally. Is a massive. It's a bifurcation. And so, so somebody's wrong, which is why, you know, really jives with what we were saying a minute ago, that realistically it could break either way. So it's either going to revert or catch down. Right. And, you know, somebody is, you could, you could really be on the wrong side of the situation here. And that leads to distortion. That kind of furthers my distortion thesis here is that this there's liquidity problems at the moment. And then we're starting to see supply chain problems, supply chain funding problems. That was staggering to me because that kind of goes back in and we've had these options liquidity problems, right? We had it the other day again with uh, with GameStop doing that deal in uh, what, the last 45 minutes where it, where it uh, you know, went up, what, 300% in the last yep. 45 minutes. Here we go again. We've got these pockets of, of kind of bizarre liquidity uh, situations that it's almost the, the, the tale of this. It's, it, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. It's like the theme of this past six to nine months is where's the liquidity pockets and how volatile are those pockets? And then those pockets cause the changes in the market, the market action. And we've seen that with the gamma squeeze back in, in the summer with the tech, the big tech names. Then we saw it in the Momo stocks and after, after uh, the election, we saw it in the IWM type structures, the small, small caps after the election where it was just kind of rolling around. And now we're kind of at this place where, where what, what's, what's the liquidity situation really at the moment? What's so, it's so wonky that like I, she's moving the market around, right? You and, can see that. And, oh, and I'm trying to, I don't know, right? So one thing that I, I did grab because I'm always, we had such a big move obviously in uh, Bondland last week, but not just that. I mean, the number of commodities in the ISM manufacturing report that were up in price and in short supply were both at their highest level since 1999. So inflation expectations, driving that risk premium, driving yields higher, bonds lower. I mean, you've seen the prices of rhodium and uranium and all kinds of other things that are just, you know, shooting up like hot fire flames. Luckily, not oil yet, because then we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. But, um, one thing well, that I did, I grabbed real quick was, uh, go ahead, before I show the. The, the, well, the last thing I was going to say, then you take it and run with it wherever you want, but like the dollar. If liquidity is in abundance, like it has been, the dollar would be collapsed, right? So if there is, you, we saw that dollar collapse trade as there was a just perception of excess liquidity for a, a like bulk of last year after March, and we have not seen that. And so dollar is now kind of leveling off, if not basing itself to kind of take a, a run here. Well, mm -hmm. that kind of ties back to that perception of, you know, excess liquidity in the system as it relates to debt instruments. And we saw BKLN, right? Senior loans and a bunch of other stuff last week for the My first point. time. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. Exactly. Start to start to start to show some real, some real problems, right? LQD and so forth. So, and then you see the supply chain bond problem where they're, they're freezing up $10 billion, like a line of 10 billion. It's going to put 50 to 75,000 people out of work was the article that I read. I'll forward it to you. But like, these are staggering type things. That, to me, the dollar, so that we can kind of touch on our thing that we, we came here to talk about today. But it's is, all related. We have to talk about, you know, that's what volatility. I see. We have to talk about duration risk. We have to talk about inflation to really, really respect the power of the wrecking ball that the dollar higher can be. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, so yeah. we can't have a conversation yeah. without the arrest. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally, totally. So like the do- to me, the dollar's sitting there now and you've got it, it has stopped. You know, it, it didn't fall apart. Everybody's like, it's going to drop another six to 20% this year where the, all the, the markers at, the, in, in, at January 1. It kind of just like is then leveling off and created a base here, which yeah. kind of goes back to the logic of, yeah, I don't, I'm, I, if I'm hedging, Right. And I'm you got a huge exposure. Uh, you know, I'm going to hold some dollars because I'm not sure about all this. Right. I'm not sure about the debt. I'm not sure about the liquidity in the system. You saw the yield problem last couple of weeks. So you still haven't seen a dollar rip. Dollars up one percent. Right. We haven't had a pullback to cause a rotation into the safety play of dollars either. They're certainly not going to buy bonds and gold. I mean, or they haven't. You know, even in the in the soft patches, we they have not served as hedges, mm-hmm. and volatility has been a one hit wonder. So really, cash is the safety play, and it just we and a hundred percent, yeah. And you and you haven't seen the um like uh uh you haven't seen a confirmation that there is a liquidity problem yet. That there's been feelings of it, but there's not been a confirmation. Yeah. And so the dollar is like almost non-confirmational as much as, it is, but it is being bid. It is being bid in size. Yeah. I, you remember when I said that I was watching DX futures and there's just no, it was like Lord of the Flies. It was like two contracts, one contract, 50, you know, nothing like a really limited bid. That's not been the case. Every time it comes back, pretty decent purchasing, right. That's coming into those to, in but size to those a contracts. Reason, a real structural reason for that. I mean, hedge funds have been benefiting greatly from this overnight, you know, repo rate and low, 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 low rates to do a whole bunch of futures trading. And now it's getting a little funky. So yeah. I think this is slowing down that um, activity a lot. And it's actually been kind of interesting. We've had a few four or five days in a row last week where we had a gap, a yeah. gap down, your gorpy yes. action, your, that was a good yep. phrase. And yep. that was actually kind of a little fearful because we hadn't had that kind of activity for a while. Yep. Yep. We only had like, a, you know, you had Sunday night, right? Which, which bumped, but it died out right at the inflection spots yep. yesterday. And then it came back last night. Right. And then it bounced again overnight, but it was kind of flat. And then it, then it dumps again during the intraday session. It just, I believe that there's some indecisiveness. Right. Like, you know, we're all kind of like sitting here and we can see this could break out. But is there a liquidity problem that we're not fully aware of? It just really feels that way when you look at like you look at the arc situation and you see these massive subsets that are also sub traded. So you look at robotics and then or like fuel cell right? Like the, the stock fuel cell, right? Like these things are traded by her and then traded by the, the subcat, like, like Reddit's and, and like everybody get their hands on these stocks because they're all in the echo chamber that is these apps. And so it's kind of like everybody's in the same place at the same time. And the, those types of things break apart. And then you end up with like a confirmation that the, that there really is a situation at hand. And I'm, I, I could tell you that it's been just, just too choppy to even right like i mean intraday moves uh, these are pretty solid standard deviation moves intraday <laughs> like from overnight session to the morning session something something's up yeah we and i do want to show up. your dollar charts because i had uh grabbed these and then i did some little you know coloring if you will of highlighting it uh luke gorman has talked about china being short the u.s dollar um and a few others but regardless of who or what um incentive here there is an outlier for sure forming. And as you said, it is stabilizing. This is a net uh, total net speculative long short position in US dollars. Um, you can see obviously over the years, once it bases and it moves higher, it moves higher with gusto. And we have a much higher debt situation and a hu- much higher squeeze on raw material costs and supply. And that could be really unwinding to the um, upside and cause a lot, a lot of damage. So it's been down here for a while. We, I mean, we can see this in the, you know, the Dixie here, but I'm just highlighting the open interest. Once it actually makes its mind and starts to cover, it can mm-hmm. get a lot more um, exciting. 
And this was up Brent Johnson's chart. He didn't have it annotated or this line, but that's really simple. But look how incredibly oversold or quote unquote, I'm using that like an oscillator, meaning mm -hmm. total net speculative long short position in US dollars is at a historical, historical high, if you know what I'm saying. In mm -hmm. other words, it is so shorted. So that is also an outlier waiting to revert on top of this just most recent um, you know, positioning as a total of, of open interest. So I, I think there's some reason to be looking at um, you know, causes for that dollar to shoot higher. The timing is the tricky part. And technically, you know, I've gone over that chart um, and uh, you, might, you might have your favorite one too, but did I just post this recently? That's March. Yep. Yep. Where's the one with dollar and gold? It's a good one. Yeah, February 28th, that'll work. All right. So it's not today or tomorrow, you know, it's not the most, it's not this month, but in any case, um, end of month, I've shown this one before, so I'm just doing it again. So this is the US dollar. This is gold inverse, because obviously, you know, for obvious reasons, <laughs> um, this is August. So it has been just in kind of this channel. And uh, when it got outside and we both said, yeah, we don't trust that. And it went right back in down, meaning for gold. So gold is still fading with bonds. Bonds obviously picked up to the down speed recently. And here's the dollar. So, I mean, this was just last week. It's not even including Monday, Tuesday's action. So, I don't know. You, you got anything? Yeah, Technically, yeah. it's still basing. Yeah, 100%. Like if I, if I shared, like uh, if, um, if you let me share, I'll, I'll share this. Go ahead. I think you gotta allow me to. Uh, I do. What do you mean? I do. Yeah, you host participant. Why? 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 Okay, I'll. There we go. There we go. <laughs> okay, so like I'm looking at like dollar here, right? And this is like longer term. This was my area, right? Just using UEP as a proxy. This was my area here, and you can see the point of control here around this level, 1% lower, which is, you know, transfer translates over to futures pretty around 89.50 to 90.50 level. Yeah. And we kind of hit there and we're just sitting here. And this is why I'm on the fence, you know, the week has to finish itself out because, you know, the longer we sit here, the more these positions kind of, you know, will, will hold the fort, hold the line and those speculative positions will start to recede. And as those start to recede, then you could see it get up and out here. The longer this sits here, the more likely that you get a firm basing on it. Now, this has been what, since the beginning of the, the year here. I'm not, I'm still, this is, and this is why I think that we're having indecisiveness and it correlates to the indexes because you're seeing the exact opposite in the indexes. They're trying to make you know higher highs, but they're kind of starting to oscillate. And this has been going on for about three to four weeks now. And we got a little pop up here or there, but it's really dicey. I believe, you know, you can't really read too much uh, one way or the other at the moment, other than these are these are major zooming out. Like this is this is the largest level of the market where the dollar stopped at. And that's like a low risk situation. If you're just a large large desk it's a lower situation to kind of hedge at the minimum if not to begin to speculate a little bit but everybody's still fearful of the total you know total fire hose of liquidity as they have trade as as the the primes have treated this right the last what nine months right since 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 march of last year really well it's almost 11 months right since since we had this mess Back here in March, they've, you know, they blew it out. So I, I think you got Powell at the end of the week. You've got, um, you know, Yellen still sitting out there. You've got the, the uh, $1,400 direct fiscal. You've got this Green New Deal. Maybe we don't know anything until the end of the first 100 days, right? Like it could, that could play into this as well. I also was looking at, this is, this is ARC right here, just tracking the ARC. Mm -hmm. And you can see, this is what I'm talking about. So the volume flow out mm. is just catastrophic. 
and then the the momentum is all just bounce reflexive and you can see the 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 largest section of the market trading i mean this, look this is a big deal this goes back to june the weight of this market structure is now on top of this it means everybody's loaded up here on the buy side sitting there and trapped so you know I start to see this type of structure. This is everywhere. This is all the Momo stocks look like this now where they were all underneath it. Now they're all above. And so this is, you know, I, I, I think that these are all kind of correlated to an extent, like, you know, maybe we need to be on alert that like, this is a situation that could turn more so than we think. And um, maybe we see, like I saw, I mean, this is the, this is what I was referring to with the advanced decline. Um, you're looking at semiconductors, mobile payments, robotics, social media, blockchain, internet, 3D printing, gaming, right? Even the banks, broker dealers, biotech, genomics, it's just all, all sell side. And this is, this is uh, to me, super, 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 uh, super concerning as it relates to, to like a term. And if the dollar, if you get liquidity to turn, and people's perception changes. The dollar should the dollar should fall the way the way everybody projected it would, and you should get that next move up in the equities. If the dollar holds firm here and then turns, then you, like you said, it would definitely have a meaningful impact on all on all things, really everything. Um, I think that you can see the dollar rise. It, maybe the dollar rises a little bit with the equities in in, in ahead of like ahead of it, right? To to an extent. I don't, I don't know. Like, um, I'm on alert because of that, that art. Do you see the volume flow I showed you? On I know when you said that I went looking for the chart I had seen and it's by suburban drone. It's not mine. Um, he's like, this is insane. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's heavy volume. She's slow. This is, this is skiing uphill now. And it's um, very much Bitcoin and Tesla related. Cause now they're all tethered. Forgive the pun. <laughs> yeah. It's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so, so that is a scary looking chart, um, but it can bounce here, right? That's like the, what is that? You saw, yeah, you saw the, like, um, you saw these uh, markers, right? Really, really straightforward markers. Here, I'll, I'll share them again. What do you like, mean by people. markers? I saw, uh, you know, yeah. with a fabulous guidance and then completely impale itself from, from its open, you know. Uh, this is a breakaway gap right now. Yeah, it's like crazy. What's right, this on? is this 143 level for for ARKK, mm -hmm. 144. That's a breakaway that broke away, and it got rejected pretty harsh today. Oh no, um, we've got a weekly. I can show, I can tell you um, a whole bunch of tech stocks that have a gap down on a weekly. Here's the first this, one. This is this is the weekly view. This is even worse, right? Now QQQ. So, right, hold on. Let me. Uh, we'll jump over here. Yeah, you got to do them on weekly because they're more powerful than than a daily. Like Q's got a breakaway on the, okay. yeah, it's got a breakaway now, too. Now do Microsoft. This is what I do. This is what I do on my weekends. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, a, that's also a gap down on a weekly. Now do Amazon. Yep. This is, this is of course. And if you look at other gaps, they did travel down a little bit before they stabilized yep. and went higher. But the point is, I do not think that this chop right now is, constructive for higher despite I agree. all of the the, the, the bullish sentiment yeah you got amazon microsoft the Qs, arc um forget about tesla it looks like a fabulous head and shoulders big picture but yep. yeah I, now we can get bought right but we need we need some kind of catalyst i think to are you showing your charts yes you are right, okay, we right need now a catalyst, yeah. um for yeah. higher and liquidity right now when we have um Oh, goodness. Even BlackRock, who is, you know, let's just say fully invested, came out with a piece yesterday. And I uploaded that for clients in the Slack channel where, I mean, we're talking BlackRock, which is kind of big picture. But let me just find this real quick. I just had it open and lost it again. Um, increasingly fragile equilibrium. And their point of this macro piece that they posted, white paper, was... Uh, basically that this would change. Okay. Our new nominal theme sees nominal bond yields being less sensitive to higher inflation expectations, keeping long-term real yields negative, a positive for risk assets. 
but this would change if long-term real rates show a sustained return to their historical sensitivity, sensitivity to higher inflation, which we are getting more and more and more um, impulse, if you will, in this you know, high cost regime, no question. This, no, this is the key it, thing to watch because it would make current equity valuations look a lot more stretched to say the least. But I mean, even they're issuing warnings around this whole thesis. So um, I, I don't this, look out. Yeah, totally. All this debt has got to be rolled at lower, right? Or at par, you know, parity. It can't, it can't take in higher interest rates on all this junk. And, and, and so uh, will this cause a monetary change? In other words, not yeah. tightening, but also less stimulus. Um, so totally. I, think one, I think one thing that we, that we, meaning we, are kind of always curious what makes the market move one so we can position for it you have a prop trading firm and i run you know live money and trading room and i want to know where things are going for best returns i'm looking at junk and hyg definitely as a corporate you know high yield uh, group of of weakness if you will um as a tell because that has not given up yet your bkln right mm -hmm. the junk stuff but duration risk, it is just embedded across the markets and folks don't realize how their tech holdings are completely beholden to this rate regime. And if it's changing and the tightening and what happens if the dollar goes up? <laughs> so I still think from a macro standpoint, you know, we, we have lots of increasing risks, but it doesn't seem like the market wants to acknowledge that because liquidity is still Money's still flowing into this, uh, uh, you know, into the indices and keeping it bid as that chart from the uh, foreign equity um, holdings is increased at high, similar to 2000, 2008. I don't know. It just feels so much right now that tomorrow we could have or, or Thursday, Friday, whenever Paul, Powell gets up there and says something very, very, very dovish the market will, will now exhale and buy this mm. dip and ARC will all of a sudden reverse to the upside and everybody will, will be happy again. I'm just not sure. I definitely don't feel it this week. Yeah, I, I can totally concur with that. You're sitting here and you're looking. I always like BKLN because it's the junk, right? Okay, it's, the, it's, okay. the, it's the junk of the junk, right? It's the most senior type stuff. And, you know, you see this volume point of control shift for the first time way up to where we are now and it's not been able to do anything and you're beginning to see some negative activity in these in the bond environment that they hey what if rates have to go up right i, I mean maybe they talk 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 but they have to yep. deal with the inflation and i think that that is kind of maybe the rub and then i think as far as is from the market's perspective is is it be maybe past what they can do right to, to to effectively manage this situation any further or are they going to give us some sort of new contraction that they can manipulate the rates um with don't know right they've been very ingenuitive so far so i give them the benefit of the doubt because this te technically talking, let me show you one thing because could bounce yeah that technically could bounce right there like when you're looking at that chart that i was just looking at that yep. can bounce based on what I'm looking at. And if oh. that bounces, then it would, it would, you know, alleviate stress in the system. This is a credit based system and credit drives this system. So that's why I want to show this chart because I, I, I mentioned that credit is a volatility product. And when volatility picks up demand for credit falls, just like equities, this is the move um, index over so in other words, is high yield vol predicting an explosion of junk bonds? Loved this tweet. Take a look at that chart. So it's already up 51%. This was just recently. So I think it's coming into the into the fold. It's 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 wobbly. Mm. Not nice and low and you know, going about its business, not bothered by anything that's going on with bonds. <laughs> 2008, 2008, 2000, you know, credit is the major inflector of 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 change not you know and that's why the supply chain thing kind of caught my attention because that was a freezing of of a 10 billion dollar credit facility um if you're beginning to see credit facilities be hampered for any reason yeah any reason then you can begin to see um more knock-on effects across everything 
And, and when it comes to worse, price controls, and they don't work. No. I no, mean, I'm no, talking no. worse comes to worse. I'm talking about really supply constraints and inelasticity, right? I mean, then renting for rents, for example, just price controls, worst case, they don't work. And uh, Peter's mentioning in chat, like oil, you know, gasoline is bouncing about and it's definitely a tax on household cash flows. So will all these supply, you know, uh, chain disruptions and raw material, just input prices. Oh, you know, one more thought on that is like, you know, I was thinking and talking to somebody the other day. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a, you know, I'm not going to say everyone, but I think that's a pretty good assumption that uh, people think that they'll try and do yield curve control pretty quickly. Like, you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that anything's off the table. If you look at the last nine months, they, I mean, everything was on the table and anything, they did anything they wanted to do or needed. But to do. last week right. yields were spiking and Bullard came on and said, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, well, it goes back to can they do anything? Right? And then they fight even harder believe. because he said that. <laughs> well, I, I, this, I wanted to throw this in there too, kind of on the back of what he said is the money doesn't make it in the markets. I was talking to a few other people and they're like, well, no, the more attractive things now, we're not as, you know, speculative like some, some houses, right, that are throwing cash around. Like, we're not as speculative in the market at the moment. We think that the reflation, like the reopening, right, of the economy provides some potential more upside for returns than the market does at this stage, right? And that's some large, you know, money movers. And they're going into more of a, like a PE type move now, right? Rather than to be riding the wave of equities. Is it that simple that, you know, we could have a movement that way where money goes in a different direction because it's a better return. And I, you know, cause things have been closed. Like you look at some restaurants, like the restaurant, uh, I don't have a restaurant index in front of me, but I know they were raging uh, higher the past couple of weeks, and, you know, as things begin to reopen, uh, all the hospitality type stuff could be opportunistic. Like, so I think, you know, it's always about flows of funds. And then you've got the credit stuff that's under the under the surface. It, it's, it's always a balancing act. So that's kind of what I'm looking at right now is the, the next, I, I'm, to, to close my thoughts out, because I know we're, you know, approaching our timeframe here, yeah. is that, Effectively, this was my window where, you know, we've got this first hundred days coming to a close by the 15th of April um, or the end of April, whatever, right in that win window. And then you've got for, for Biden, then you've got the stimulus, you've got the green deal, you know, whatever that ends up being infrastructure, you've got the interest rate problem and you've got these options expirations. And so far, right, it's not taking off. It's just kind of holding holding the line. So do we see this falter here or does it actually break out? I think it can go either way, but we are beginning to see some nervousness that we have not seen a prolonged period of nervousness. So. No, but that nervousness is manifested right now is they're afraid to buy and they're afraid to sell. Yeah. I mean, and whether it be VIX because it has not, you know, been pushed down and suppressed and all that, or just the indices themselves, they're, I think we got. I think your time frame might work because I just look at it and I see this week and next week. If we stay in this chop zone, it's more bearish than bullish. Agreed, one hundred percent. The longer, it goes. Mm -hmm. yeah, the longer it goes, and the more it deteriorates. And this is that. That's exactly. That's all the comment from um, Sal. That's exactly what I was saying, right? If you if if you put anything on the table that that. You say, oh, no, they wouldn't do that or they can't do that. They're <laughs> After the last year, they'll do anything. Having said that, we're dealing with a bunch of, you know, kind of unintended consequences at this point, like we talked about last week. We're not sure how all those play out. you got all that money that did go in the fiscal, and it is being inflationary at the moment. And is there problems with it? But that's not like directly, you know, the way money flows is just not always directly correlative one-to-one especially if it's going to direct consumer pockets versus business pockets versus bank pockets. And then you got credit facilities. So, you know, I think uh, we, it's too early to say um, I'm nervous about uh, this, the longer it sits here. And then if it begins to break out, I don't know, my easy level is 32,000 in the Dow and 31,600 in the Dow. So if it gets over 31,600, 
31,600? Okay. Yeah, 31,600. I'm like, okay, I give it a little benefit of the doubt. It breaks out to a new high. Okay, I give it a little bit more benefit of the doubt. If it does not get past those in the next week or two, <laughs> it's time. Happens. We'll see what happens. We will right. have we will have you know um, currency volatility and relative to the peers. Oh, we did. I did want to show one um, particular chart. Go for I it. Like, where was this relative to the peers? Am I going to find it? Oh, oh. This, this, this. I can't find it. I'll I'll tweet it because that was a good place to end. Ah, no, I did. Reflation story in the G10 currency markets. Percentage change. Yes, yes, that's the one I wanted to show. This is the one that I think we might be looking at now, if we do see this revert, in other words, dollar starts heading up and the, the, the other commodity based nations, if you will, with their currencies start to pull down. That's what I'm looking at as well. Which would deteriorate, that would just incinerate the whole movement to EM, right? Like <laughs> it was the, the trade of the year. Like if you look at EWZ Brazil, it's been just getting clubbed the and, last couple of weeks, right? Like 20, 25%, right? But the commodity stocks, you know, Vale and Rio have been hot fire flames. because Inflation, right? Inflation. Like inflation, right? But I think so, this is the reflation story that I'm watching closest when it comes to currencies. It's great. This is excellent. This All is right. Excellent so that was stuff. the one I wanted to end on. And then any other comments? Good. This is um, to be continued. We'll we'll find yeah. something else very timely for next Tuesday. And then this Thursday, before I forget, because I definitely don't want to, I have, speaking of macro, okay, um, Juliette de Klerk. So this is really a woman that I saw years ago on Real Vision and just thought she was hot fire flames as it relates to her pattern recognition and then ability to kind of explain it and capture, especially fixed bond, uh, fixed income world, if you will. Um, and I, she's got her own boutique and I'm talking about high-end research for institutions. It's like $10,000 a month. So she's really good. Anyway, she's going to come on uh, Thursday, one o'clock because she's in France. So it's not a four o'clock 